Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, thanks for joining us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name is John Russin. I'm serving as our host. And Frank, we are kicking some anthills in this series as we talk about tithing or giving. And so what's the difference and why is it important? Oh, John, I would say more than kicking anthills, we're knocking down some sacred cows. <laughs> Throughout the Bible, there's free will giving from the heart. And that was always directed to God. And then there was required giving, but that was directed to the nation. And that's the distinction that people have failed to make. And so all those references to a tithe that were required, they can't be brought over to the church because we're not a Christian nation. We don't have a government over us. We simply have the Lord Jesus Christ, whereas Israel was a theocracy. And God established Levites and priests, and, and the tithe was to support that theocratic system. But again, throughout Old Testament, New Testament, people were giving to God free will. And John, I just want to give a reminder, if people did miss last time, hope they'll go back. We saw that the true tithe was not 10%. It was actually 23 and a third. And that shocks a lot of people when they hear that. Indeed, it certainly does. And I must add, my friend, as we were talking before we started this recording, that there's nothing wrong with giving 10% of your income. There's not a sin to give 10%. You don't have to no. give nine mm -hmm. or 11 because you want to avoid a tithe. You can mm -hmm. give as you will. It's not a bad thing. It's just not required anymore, is it? Right. And if you're looking for a place that's a guideline, but the key word that you said, John, is from the heart. And so, you know, if a lot of people, well, I don't really want to give 10%, but I'll give it. I mean, I think God looks at that person and says, boy, if that's your attitude, please don't give. I don't want your money. I want your heart. I want a relationship with you. I can say that because I look in the Old Testament. God is the one who established the sacrificial system. But in Isaiah, when the Israelites were bringing their sacrifices, God told them to stop. Don't bring your sacrifices anymore because your heart is far from me. And so there's the uh, key. He doesn't want sacrifices. He wants our hearts. He doesn't want us to give if we don't have the right heart. He wants a heart. He wants relationship. He wants intimacy, oneness. And probably the most important, he wants trust. He wants us to trust him. And here's the wonderful news, John. I don't think people think about this, but God trusts us. It's one thing to say he loves us, but he actually believes in us. And that's a huge revelation for a lot of people. Indeed. Wow, that's a good word. He trusts us. Well, Frank, uh, you recall during our last episode that 
we took a few moments to talk about what I called at that time bumps in the road, bumps in the message, because we talked a little bit about Melchizedek and how some folks think that uh, we should tithe because uh, Abraham gave to Melchizedek. Then we talked about the guilt woven throughout Malachi chapter three. Well, there's a third one that I want to look at today, and it's in Matthew 23. And this is where Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give 10% of all your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And I've read people who say, see, this is Jesus supporting the tithe. And so address that, if you will, because we've got to debunk that confusion. Mm, John. Again, the failure to understand the issues. God isn't interested in conformity to a code. He wants relationship and he wants union. And somebody can write that check and yet be mean and ugly and unkind. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. And so, you know, throughout that Matthew 23 passage, he even talks about how they gave, you know, that they gave publicly in front of everyone so they could look good. But the way they treated people was horrid. And so, yeah, on the outside, it looked like they were devoted to God. But in the way they treated people, it was clear that they were in it for themselves. You know, the true and greatest commandment. Remember when the disciples asked Jesus and he said, love God and love people. And I'm not sure that the Pharisees were doing either of those. I think they were more in love with themselves. Mm, could be. But it does show us a very important point for us today. It's not only what you do, but why you do what you do that really makes a, an impact with our father because he wants us to do it from the right heart. And Frank, you said uh, earlier that uh, a proper understanding of covenants of law and grace really is necessary to give us a proper understanding of giving. And so I've highlighted just a, a couple of verses that point out the role of the Old Testament law in the life of a believer. Uh, Romans 6, you are not under the law. I don't know how mm. much more plain you can get than that. Romans 7, <laughs> you have died to the law. And then you run across a Paul in Galatians 5, where he tells those confused believers, hey, if you accept circumcision and you start on the road down to law, Guess what, guys? Christ will become of no advantage to you. That's pretty strong caution, Frank, about oh, yeah. the need to understand law and how it infiltrates into the message of grace. And we've got to understand it or else we're going to be totally confused, not only on our giving, but on everything. Yeah. And I think, John, it's very important to clarify that passage with our listeners. He's not saying that they're going to lose their salvation or that they're going to lose Christ. But if they're trying to achieve merit, what can only be given, you'll never arrive at what you're trying to achieve. And the point was, you know, they already had everything in Christ. Ephesians 1, every spiritual blessing. But they're trying to earn it going back to the law. They'll never arrive at it. So I use the illustration a lot. It's like trying to get into a room you're already in. 
you're pursuing a destination you're never going to arrive at. And that's what was happening to these people. If you look to other than Christ, though you may have Christ, you may be saved, you'll never experience the wonder of walking intimately with him by faith. Yeah. In our devotional that'll be published in just a few weeks, you make a point in one of the entries, you tell a story, Frank, that if you were to give me $1 million in a bank account with my name on it, and you never told me that that bank account existed, or I just refused to believe you, I would live like a pauper when I could live like a millionaire. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about in Galatians chapter five. Christ becomes basically of no advantage to you. There's no difference in your life because of the blessings you have, because you're turning your back on. That's exactly right, Sean. It's like having a million dollars and never writing a check, which is just crazy. If I had a million dollars, I'd be spending it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not you, my friend. You'd be investing it and maybe spending the increase. You little there you sweet, go. You there sweeter you, go. you. All right. So we've talked about what Jesus said in Matthew 23, and we saw that it was just basically a, a correction, a rebuke for the Pharisees. It doesn't endorse tithing, but we've got to ask for our listeners, what exactly does Jesus say about giving? And we find, at least I found as I poured through this that he doesn't really give instructions on tithing, but he has a lot to say about our attitude when we give. Let me just read a couple of verses and ask you to comment on these. First, Matthew 6, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So the first thing he points out is that, hey, we got to have our focus in the right place in, in every part of our life, not only our finances. In Luke 16, he says, hey, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? So again, he's talking about, this is the parable of the unjust steward in Luke 16. You have to be trustworthy. And if you're trustworthy with finances, it's an indicator that you're trustworthy with the spiritual things. Then of course, he talks about priority in Matthew 22, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Hey, and give to God the things that are God's. And then, of course, the one you hear all the time, my friend, Mark chapter 12, about the poor widow and her two small copper coins. And Jesus says, hey, all these guys contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. She gave everything she had, hmm. all she had to live on. So, Frank, what are these four verses? And these are just snapshots. What do they tell us about the attitude that Jesus had toward giving? Hmm that we are manifesting a heart that's the same heart he has. He's a giver, John, and he wants us to be givers. And he's a lover, and he wants us to be lovers. And so any time a requirement enters in of any kind, we have, in a very real way, set aside love, which would then usher in kindness, mercy, grace, blessing. I think sometimes, John, maybe this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think believers sometimes are so trying to get the best deal because they want to be a good steward of God's money that they miss the opportunity to bless people. And I'm learning that, John. I haven't learned it yet, but I do want to share a story. We had a guy come and do work at the house and he ended up spending a lot more time than he was going to. And so he had quoted me a price. And uh, when he brought me the receipt, I said, sir, 
did you underbid this? And he said, yes, I did. And I said, okay, what would be the proper price? And he said, well, it would have been this, but you know, hard knocks, live and learn. I said, no, I want to pay you what it was worth. And you know, John, it was crazy the impact that it had on that guy. It's a revelation of the way God operates. It set me aside in his eyes as somebody different. I wasn't trying to squeeze the best deal. I wanted to be somebody who blesses somebody. And boy, John, I think sometimes in the name of good stewardship, we're failing to be a blessing, which is really what giving is all about. We want to bless God. We want to bless his ministry. We want to bless people. It's the heart that longs to bless kindness. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And uh, when you do that, the amount is almost inconsequential because I believe uh, that giving is as much a part of our attitude of personal worship as yeah. anything else we do that we call worship. Yeah. Uh, I, I look at Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. And so when father is our focus, our main focus in life, we will have no choice, Frank, but to worship him in response. Mm. And our worship is individual. I mean, I look at the way individual people worship in the song they sing, the songs they like, how they hold their bodies. Do they ride their bicycles while they pray? Do they get on their face while they pray? It's so individual, so unique. Father working through each one of his children. And I think that's the very same thing when it comes to giving. That pursue intimacy with your father. He will tell you how to give and where to give and to whom to give. And you can trust him. You don't have to look at the evaluation of this ministry uh, based on the percentage they use for operation versus the percentage they use for ministry. You can do that. But if your father says to do something, you can trust him. After all, it's his money, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you know, you made a really good point, John. I don't think there's a lot of people that see their tithing as an act of worship. The way it's been taught to them, the way they are held accountable by church leaders, it's a requirement. It's a bondage. If they fail, it's guilt and shame. And there's no worship in guilt, shame, or requirement. Worship is an issue of the heart. That's right. And so is giving. Yep. Well, the Apostle Paul says tons about giving. I want to pick up a few verses and have you chime in on those. Second Corinthians 9. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, Frank, you have a story from some years ago when you candidated at a church that I'm going to ask you to share right now about this. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, John, if I could, I wanted to share something real quick. There is the command to give, you know, in Luke 6, given it will be given to you. So we are givers 
but it doesn't matter how much that's you understand that from your heart as God has prospered you. There was a guy in our church, extremely wealthy. He was an inventor and his inventions hit. He made just a ton of money. Well, then he was riotous in his living. He came to Christ, joined our church when his businesses all fell apart. Well, one day he quit coming to church. And so I went to him and I said, brother, where you been? He said, I can't come to church anymore. I said, why not? He said, because I can't support it. And I said, what do you mean you can't support it? And he says, I can't give any money. I don't have any money to give. And I said, brother, could you give a couple of bucks? And he goes, yeah, but I couldn't do that. I said, start there. The following Sunday, John, he yells at me from across the room and he's putting his couple of bucks into the offering box. And I was, I told him, yes, I'm so proud of you because you know, that in itself was an issue of pride. And he overcame it, and lo and behold, he had a new invention, and bam, he was off and running again. Pretty cool. But the story is interesting about that church, John. I, I had a church call me up, and they wanted to be the flagship church of grace in America. And they wanted to do a television ministry and a radio ministry. And, you know, John, I, I'm all over that. I might have left Grace Life Fellowship for that because to get the grace of God out was my passion. And so I did investigate it. We were candidating. And basically, they I was told I'm the only guy. Well, uh, they decided they wanted some more messages. So I pulled some off and sent them to them. And I got a phone call and they said, on a message, you said, you don't tithe. And I said, no, I give free will from the heart. Second Corinthians nine. And they said, well, we tithe here. And I, I said, okay, well, that's your thing. And they said, no, we want you to teach tithing if you come here. Well, that would violate my scripture and it would violate my conscience. So I said, no, I can't do that. And so we parted ways. But the interesting thing was the parting conversation, John. He asked me, how do you support your church if you guys don't tithe? And I said, we trust the Holy Spirit. And instantly he said, oh, we could never do that. <laughs> oh, John, it was so sad because they were trusting a requirement put on their people so they could formulate a budget. And we had free will giving, no requirement, we would inform our people where we were financially. And John, my goodness, I think when that took place, I'd been there about 19 years. And I believe there wasn't a year that we were ever in the red. We were always had more money than we had spent in our church budget. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is faithful, John. It is. And you follow right along in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, the very next verse. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you have all sufficiency. How many times does the word all appear in this verse, Frank? All grace abound to you, all sufficiency in all things at all times. Wow. So may you bound in all good works. Frank, it just takes a little bit of trust in your father that he's able to give back to you far greater than you ever give to him so what a tremendous mm. you know doesn't philippians talk about that somewhere yeah right? yeah and it's interesting john if i could share another story i heard this there was a church and the pastor was squeezing this gentleman to give more money 
and he took issue with it and left and came to another church. And that first Sunday, in the sovereignty of God, the pastor was teaching out of 2 Corinthians 9. Give freely from the heart as you purpose in your heart, as you've been blessed. And the pastor said, God doesn't want your money. Uh, if you don't want to give, don't give. He wants your heart. And the guy decided, well, this is our new church. Well, the church was doing a building program. And about three months, four months later, announced where they were. And this gentleman called the pastor and said, you have a building program. I hadn't heard anything. And he said, oh, we, we don't push it hard. We just announce where we are every three months. He said, do you know where you're going? And the pastor said, no. And a short time later, the gentleman gave the church a large parcel of land that cost well over a million dollars and also gave seed money to build the church to the tune of about $6 million. And the only requirement I heard is that he didn't want people to know that he had done it and he wanted to get it done. He said, don't put up a sign and don't build for 20 years. Let's get it done. And John, I just find that one of the most beautiful stories and compelling that here's a pastor trying to squeeze money out of someone. And yet when this man comes under the freedom of the new covenant, he gives beyond measure and John, grace works. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I listened to this story, Frank, and I've heard it before, but it just sends shivers. I'm looking at 2 Corinthians 9. He's able to make all grace abound to you. He'll supply all of our needs, all sufficiency, all things at all times and all good work. I mean, God really means it, doesn't it? You know, he, he will take care of the needs. Wow, what an amazing story. I hope our listeners have really heard the heart behind that. One more thought I want to throw out here, Frank, before we wrap this up. And I want to jump uh, again, Apostle Paul's teaching, this time from 1 Corinthians 16. And when you read that passage, I get a couple thoughts from it. That when you give, you are to do so regularly, you know, make it a mm -hmm. practice and do it based on how God has prospered you so if you had a bad month you had a bad year you know it's okay you don't have to give and, yeah. and then he goes on to say i want you to take an offering regularly based on how god's prospered you because when i come to see you i don't want you to take this emergency offering oh no paul's coming we better stuff our coffers with money because mm. paul didn't want giving to be stressful frank mm -hmm. he just didn't want to stress giving. He didn't want people to freak out over it. He just says, look, make it a part of your everyday life, just as every other act of worship. And I want to share a story too, my friend, before we wrap this up. A couple of years ago, while my wife and I were looking for property in a different state, we happened to come across a realtor. Father led us to this realtor and she was a believer. And I don't know how we got on the topic, but we did. She started talking about giving. And the fact that she went to a church that taught storehouse tithing, give 10% to your local church. But she said, John, what do I do? I want to give it elsewhere because I see some other things where I really feel like I want to give, but I can't 
and I'm so paralyzed because I feel guilty if I don't give. So she is exactly the poster child of what Paul is talking about. She had a desire on her heart to give, but the mandated message from her church said, no, you give 10%, you give it here first. And so this lady, I hope she heard what I told her, that she's free to mm. give, she's free to not give, but that she should follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and let the consequences fall with her legalistic church. I don't know what she did, but mm. this captures, Frank, the essence of what we've been talking about, doesn't it? It sure does, John. And I would just echo that as we wrap this up. Ultimately, don't violate your conscience. That's the guiding rule from scripture. And if you are led to give freely and you're in a church that's demanding, requiring, you follow your conscience and that's okay. But you may have to leave that church because, you know, you, you don't want to cause division. You don't want to undermine the authority there. You try to win them to truth. But if you can't, you may need to leave. But leave quietly. Don't cause division. That's real clear from Romans 16. The other, if any pastors are listening, you've made tithing your benchmark please investigate the scriptures and discover that there's free will giving right along required giving. Required giving was a tax. We are not taxing in the church, the body of Christ, and set your people free to trust the Holy Spirit and give from the heart. And you yourself trust the Holy Spirit and watch what God can do in the lives of people who are receivers and releasers of his loving life. You don't want to keep your people bound with a regulation when they can live in the freedom of a relationship with God. Well said, my friend. Well, friends, you've been listening to Frank and John on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. And if Father has challenged you today, if he's pricked you, if he's convicted you, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, www.ourresolutehope.com and navigate through. There's a place where you can contact us. So let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, while you're there, spend some time, browse around. There's lots of information there, all focused on Jesus Christ as our life. And of course, while you're there, you can sign up for our newsletters and you can see teaching videos and podcasts and eBooks and all kinds of things that will help you know all that our Father has done for us. And we ask you, if Father has uh, touched your heart in this podcast episode of the past two, we ask you to pray about supporting our Resolute Hope with your finances. Uh, we will receive your gift with absolute thanksgiving. And as always, Frank, we close with this reminder from Hebrews chapter 6, that we have a hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Paul calls it a blessing hope. Frank and John call it a resolute hope. And so today and always, choose hope. No matter what things look like and how bad they might seem, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to our Resolute Hope Podcast. 
For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.